Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 325 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I am your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 325. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live video show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which also airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. So our tools for review this week, and there are multiples, as we are becoming accustomed to, uh, are three. And they're a progression as to what they do versus a contrast to what they don't do, I guess is probably a better way of saying it. Let me explain. The first tool I like to refer to is Guyana, G-Y-A-N-A dot com. Now, Guyana is a business intelligence and data analytics platform. Just got it, just started using it, really impressed with it uh, for lots of a variety of reasons. Um, uh, our theme today will be, as you'll see with our techniques very soon, of related to these tools, business intelligence uh, and some components. Business intelligence um, is the aggregation of the data to better make decisions with, in a nutshell, just to say, okay. The value of, of platforms such as this is the ability to integrate. How many other platforms that are used for what they're used for can be brought in from data from them to be used in, in, in combination with other points of data to make useful decisions. And that's the key element we're going to keep hitting on is the usage of these, not the function of these. Um, this one in particular, Gan, is very interesting in the sense that uh, the trend that I'm thoroughly enjoying with a lot of these platforms is their visualization and their visualization is a lot about workflows, logic strings. Um, I used to hate these when I was first learning them way back in the college days where I was like, oh my gosh, conditional statements, situation one, what are the variables? It's an on switch, it's an off switch. What happens when it's turned on? Here's that string of conversation. What happens if it's turned off? These strings of conversation. Um, That logic flow has turned now into an endearing thing for me in which is what happens? I have to visually mentally look at what it is we're bringing in what are we doing with it and what is it producing three elements to that process uh ghana is really neat it's new and it follows this same pattern of integration capabilities it has literally gosh i don't know 100 something 80 plus different integrations and what i mean by what does it pull into we'll talk more about the logistics but uh in our in our technology our tech discussion um but pretty much it's about our Ability to pull data, say, from our Facebook ads, our Google ads, our Bing ads, our Twitter campaigns, our traffic from our website. And this is where it begins to get fuzzy for people's interpretation of these tools. So uh, that will be our technique discussion. So my first tool, thoroughly enjoy it. 
right now, find it very fascinating and very easy to use, especially with their workflow visualization. And that is Guyana, G-Y-A-N-A dot com. My second tool, very similar to Guyana, also new for me, uh, and in the same process of what Guyana does as a business intelligence, is Adriel, A-D-R-I-E-L dot com. Adriel uh, is an... Um, they call themselves a business intelligence, okay? But they are more about uh, advertising analytics. Um, they don't lean too much into the discussion of how they are a business intelligence platform in as much as they are about an analytics platform in real time that gives you great insights to make decisions. And that's uh, mainly related to your advertising campaigns and the results therein and from and what platforms you're associated with. And for that end, it, it is also a fascinating tool, very useful and very much insightful as to how it presents the data so you visually can see what you're most interested in to make better decisions. So even though I don't put it in as a business intelligence tool, it is used in the context of what business intelligence tools are used for. Again, that is Adriel, A-D-R-I-E-L dot com. And the third tool for our discussion today is a true, in my mind, business intelligence tool that I have struggled to work with because it is so depthful. Uh, I don't know if that's a word into what it can give you as results that I feel not so smart because I don't know what's the better question to ask than the one I'm asking for. I'm so patterned after uh, reporting and data collection and things like this that I don't truly understand how best to use this platform. And what I mean by that is that it, it, it's called OWOX. Let me please first identify the tool. My apologies. OWOX, O-W-O-X dot com. I've had this for a while and I get enamored with it and then I get frustrated with it because I see the potential of it and it's mind-numbing. But then in order to really use the potential, you have to integrate it well with some very advanced tools of which the biggest one is Google's uh, BigQuery. Um, BigQuery, for those who are unfamiliar with it, uh, is a massive undertaking of Google to pull different sources of data that it has access to and try to give you an interpretive value for it. So you say, well, if that's doing it, why do you need OWOX? Well, unfortunately, it's more about Google BigQuery and how it uses and tracks and how do you can there's a lot of work to that OWOX solves a lot of that work by creating functionalities of demand source and I don't want to get tacky it just it does some pretty cool stuff to make it easier <laughs> and here I'm saying OWOX is difficult so you can imagine the complexity of BigQuery but for instance uh, taking a retail example it talks about you know, BigQuery's capability of pulling data based on shopping carts and interest on clicks and viewerships and so forth. And you would say that's normal data, but in the sense of how it relates to your Salesforce interface and your call tracking, your ad services, your app application usages, the sources of where that comes from, Google has its hand on all of that and BigQuery has that data, but you have to ask the right questions of how to integrate that data correlations so that you're not 
guessing the obvious of, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, they looked at the yellow shirt, so they bought it. Yeah, duh. No, it's more in-depth about what brought them there and why did they choose yellow compared to what else did they look at and how else did they look at and what platform did they use and what ad campaigns were connected to it. That's the data that you're needing to make better decisions of where should we advertise more, spend on, feature more, get more inventory for, all those other fun things. Um, the thing with OWAX, which is mind-numbing to me, is its ability to integrate with some pretty cool platforms that and of themselves are very powerful like tableau and power bi um it also allows you to create functions within google's own data studio which again is a free platform but you have to know what you're doing to uh use it to its full effectiveness which means you usually have to have a third-party tool uh like power metrics and or owax or other platforms to integrate how to use those platforms which means you're into paying for what is basically a free service anyway so our third tool is owax owox.com which brings us to why we brought all these tools together and that is our technique of the week now for this week's hospitality technique so our technique of the week what is bi now if you're not familiar with the acronym then it is business intelligence <laughs> if you're familiar with the acronym you often supplant the, the i with an s because sometimes you get frustrated with what is considered business intelligence versus what a usefulness of it is <laughs> uh it's a buzzword that often gets thrown around all too often by people that either don't know enough about it and or try to intimidate the people with it the people that actually use business intelligence and don't really refer to it that much as they refer to the results of what their business intelligence programs are running for so we mentioned three tools uh directly guiana adrell and owax they are literally a progression of perspective Yana, to me, business intelligence-wise, is a uh, wonderful UI-friendly platform to take despairing points of data. What is my Google Ad campaigns production? Numbers, actual numbers. How many of these things did I sell? How many uh, places did this do this? How much did I spend on it? How many views are this? All the data associated with ad campaigns. Uh, with our web analytics, uh, how many people visited the pages for the product, uh, the, the, the accommodations, whatever, where did they go, what did they touch, how long did they look, all that data that is very despairing when you're just looking at it in bulk numbers. And you can do contrasts all day. Anybody can do a pivot table. Well, say anybody. I still I struggle with this sometimes, I guess. Pivot tables in Excel or Google Sheets, which are really correlations between two functions and or three, and then you do if-then conditionals. And some people are even intimidated by that. So just doing black or white comparisons means you're only going to get one color hue. Multi points of data allow you the full spectrum of comparison. And that's where business intelligence comes in. Here's my data sources. How do they relate to each other so that I make a better, more effective decision on something I need to be aware of to make a decision on? And that's the true core of what business intelligence is supposed to do. It's supposed to use these points of data aggregate them in such a way through a logic flow of this is the source this is what i want you to look at these are the comparisons i want you to draw or the value proposition relationships to give me a report or indication of what it is i need to make a choice on based on that kind of data feed now oh uh, guyana is great on the user interface for that it, it allows you to pull from a multitude of sources and, and, and to that end, it actually can show you, based on how you configure it in very user-friendly ways, what do you need to make a decision on. Red, bad. Green, good. Arrow up, good. Arrow down, bad. 
Not always, but in the case that you set up the reports, that might be what you're looking for. And we've talked about reporting platforms like Watergraph and Serpstat, just tons of them that create Report Z and stuff that create great performance reports, but they're not business intelligence. And that's the point that we want to talk about. What is BI? Is business intelligence is real data for decisions versus reporting based on analytic perspective for decisions to be made. Reports are just that. Analytics is what you do with reports. And for that end, Adrell is really, really good about giving you reports, perspective. It is the reporting aspect of business intelligence in my mind, where it takes all these sources of data and shows you what you're asking. So you have to ask the question first so that the answer gets presented. Business intelligence is giving you the answers to questions you haven't asked. That really is probably the flip of the coin difference. Business intelligence saying, hey, based on what you told me to look at and how to compare that information, I need to let you know that this is something you need to make a choice on. It's doing this. And for that, you need to decide, do you want it to continue to do this or change what it's doing? That's in a business intelligence workflow. A reporting tool is, here's what you asked me to report on. That's it. It's up to you to decide what that information is interpreted as. And unfortunately, with that kind of data, depending upon who's at stake, you have the people that don't want to be at risk will point out the lack of negative impact to somebody that is against it who will amplify the, the negative impact of it. So you get an interpretive value. That's where it begins to unravel that when reports get translated to analysis is then the politics, the sandboxing, or the motivations or agendas play into the relevance of the report. As we often say, statistics is in the eye of the presenter, and 84% of all statistics are made up. You get the joke on that one. Um, so... Because of that, reports are up for interpretation. Business intelligence is up for answers. It presents what you didn't even maybe potentially ask for with a solution process of what to consider. Hey, based on all of this information you asked me to review, in the format that you asked me to review it in, this indication means you have to make a choice. That's business intelligence. Now, where does OWACS fit in? OWACS as a tool in comparison to this is a true business intelligence because what it does is through artificial intelligence with Google, like in Google BigQuery, which is really an AI, truly an AI, is it is looking at things that we wouldn't even ask it to look at, aka true business intelligence, to say, hey, I'm looking at the fact that whether you told me to look for it or not, people in Cleveland are looking at your one king bedrooms for May at a rate of 150 or less for a three-day-plus stay. What do you want me to do with that? But, you know, here's something I found. I didn't ask the system to look for people in Cincinnati looking for a room type versus for a rate type versus a time of year. It told me that because it was looking at everything that I fed to it and said, give me values associated with correlations, confidence factors. Anybody that's worked with Tableau or any large analytical system, it's about confidence factors, percentages. Out of the process of data that you're looking at, what is the confidence factor that there's a correlation of data? 
Case in point, I had a really neat young guy that worked with me when I was in the agency side. And uh, we were playing with, at the time, Watson, which is IBM's artificial intelligence. And we were playing with massive amounts of data. So we dumped a bunch of junk data, as I call it, in there. And he comes running in. He was not a hospitality person. He was just a, a, a stats person, a math person, a, a data person. And he says, wow, my first large correlation, 95% accuracy, meaning almost total truth. The more people spend, the longer they stay. Huh. That makes a lot of sense. It's a kind of a thank you, Captain Obvious. These validations have to go on, but that's machine, you know, what you ask machines only on what you're going to get out of it. And from his perspective, this is all about math, numbers. The more somebody stayed, the more they spent. So that was a correlation that was incredibly high. Strangely enough, it wasn't 100% because we know we can create exceptions to that. Sometimes people stay, but they got such a great long-term rate, they actually spent less. So that's why the confidence variation. See what I mean? Nothing's total truth, always, but it's close to being as close to being total truth as possible. Confidence factor, percentages. So when you're looking at business intelligence, you're looking at confidence factors. How much possibility of accuracy is this statement? And that is based on what the data being fed to this is. If you're only looking at one or two points of data, you can create pretty high confidences because it's almost like an on-off switch. Either it's yes or it's a no. There's not a maybe involved. But when you add more points of data, each data has a value proposition in relationship to the other data points. And so now you're dealing with percentages of confidence because if you're dealing with 50 points of data and all of them have a certain unique value and as correlations of content relationships get built, the computer's only way to understand the probability of it being what it thinks those correlations are is confidence factors. And you have to decide, the human part of you, is whether that confidence factor sounds warranted or not. The cool part about AI in business is that the computer does that for you. It may see these abnormalities of confidences, but dismiss them as either Captain Obvious statements, you know, obviously, or worthy of considerations of validation. And validation goes into taking that scenario and applying the results of the confidence against other data spectrums to see if that confidence factor still holds at that same level. That creates in itself a variation confidence factor that is then used to determine the accuracy of the initial confidence. Again, going down a bit of a rabbit hole, but this is how business intelligence works so that it's giving you information that is actionable, that give you a perspective that says, okay, we need to increase our advertisement in Cincinnati for people wanting to know that to buy king rooms from us at $150 or less through the course of May because this was discovered in the data that was being presented to our business intelligence. That's where the value proposition of these tools come in. That's the value proposition of what business intelligence should be doing for you. Because in the long run, that's what you want all this data to do. And why is that so important now? Because as we've talked about in previous podcasts and on our live show, our data is very skewed right now. I'm not calling it garbage data. It's not garbage data. It's the reality of our data. We had data pre-pandemic, which was all what we had been doing up to that point, And all the projections of what we thought we were going to do in 2020, not knowing that the pandemic was going to hit. We have the data associated with the reality of our of our operations based on the business we did in 2020 and now 2021. And then we had the highs and the lows associated with variations associated with what happened to us during that time. And now we have our future 
projections that we have based on what we're emerging from in the pandemic perspective for our future travel business demand. So we have several points of data. And we talked about one of the ways was creating an average weighted mean where we take the sources of data that we had numbers before, during, and after or projected forecast and then aggregate all those based on weighted averages and then from that determine what is the benchmarks we show that we would be above or below on well that in a sense is a way of projecting business intelligence that's what business intelligence can do it can look at your current numbers compare it the way we just compared it say is there a pattern of performance with this or is this an undiscovered resource of, of, of confidence and make that information available to you for you to make a decision on to say wow we never really focused on cincinnati before but it gives us reason to think that we should as the example i gave so with that that is our technique week of the week discussion what is bi or business intelligence now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. So our news and show review. Um, fun show for me. I mean, I'm being the host as we go through this transition of our new format of one hour, one topic. And I thought it was worthy to ingrain a very relevant this week conversation of Facebook's change of name from Facebook to Meta. And what is it really got inspired from? And where is this going? And why is it doing this now? The topic that I'm referring to in news and show is all things meta dot 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 verse compared to our normal discussions of meta search. This is meta verse. Uh, what does this all mean? Why? What? What does this change? Well. Uh, we know from a news perspective, Facebook has been in the news uh, for several reasons recently, not all for good reasons. One is the whistleblower perspective that Facebook focused purely on uh, astronomical profit growth and did not check itself into the destructiveness in our culture for allowing all these cottage uh, um, negative things to happen, uh, you know, polarities in our society and so forth and instead focused on the fact that uh, bad news sells and uh and anger sells and so they allowed it to propagate and uh, that's in the news and then the other is is that uh, they had a report that the impact of the enhanced privacy uh controls that uh, apple had rolled out with their ios functions has had a double digit impact on their reporting capability and revenues for advertisement because they can't target their revenue uh, their advertising as well as they said they could for advertisers because basically ios 14 and now 15 are excluding for those who have chosen it not to be tracked so that they can't be targeted so because of that two negatives they pretty much from most people's perspectives went the route of google that says we got to start detaching ourselves internally from aspects of ourselves in case we get drawn down a path that can impact the entire company should we just be that and that's what they presented that facebook as much as facebook is facebook for them to say according to zuckerberg to grow they have to get outside of their one product mind and be bigger um, and so they call themselves meta Ironically, after a, a connotation of metaverse, which was a, uh, uh, a dystopian perspective that uh, we as a culture would escape into a virtual world because our real world was less than idyllic. Uh, so it seems kind of weird to chase that. But 
conceptually, from my perspective of being familiar with metaverse perspective, uh, it's pretty cool. And we had a really huge discussion on the live show about that, uh, the positives of that. You know, there's negatives, but there's a matrix perspective to this. But the positives were, of course, related to the opportunities that present for people's exposure to virtual perspectives that they can't in real life have. Uh, and that was a lot of fun to discuss those variations. Uh, going back to the Facebook discussion, they went the way of Google, where Google went into Alphabet, which was a whole uh, overlord company compared to all the things that were Google prior to that. Well, Facebook's done the same thing. They've become meta, which is now making Facebook a component of its larger perspective. But what we talked about in the live show in particular was people may not have been aware of, unless you were actually using the, the hardware itself, that they bought Oculus several years ago. And um, it was a real hopeful technology, like this is going to be great. But it was very expensive for anybody to be actually, you know, it was very much bleeding edge, leading edge people geeks like me, you know, where you needed a really hefty computer and it was tethered, meaning there was a cable between the headset you were wearing and the computer, which, you know, trip and break and fall and all this other stuff. Um, and the the novelty of it was there, but it wore off quickly to the reality of the experience. Uh, it was very much like old computer graphics, as I referred to in the live show back in the late 70s, early 80s, like the Death Star when you're going down the trench and it's those little lines with the little dots going in front of you. You're like, really? Compared to that to our current technology, you're like, yeah, that's a big difference. That's kind of what it was early stages with Oculus. Huge potential, not a lot of reality. Well, that's since had been changed in last year with Oculus 2 being released by Facebook at a very low price point, similar to guest, uh, game station boxes like PlayStation and, and Xbox. It gave a third alternative for people to experience a lot of their fun stuff in a virtual world. And that's what we talked about with this metaverse. They've decided that that's where they want to go. And to be honest with you, we've, we've had several examples in our movie world about what these technologies would look like. Uh, one of the earliest ones was an augmented reality interfacing like Minority report which already can be done in with these vr headsets where you have virtual screens in in your real world so to speak uh hovering in front of you that you can interact with with your hands and have a real view of your desktop keyboard that you can type with there's that aspect of vr there's also the virtual aspect where you can meet with people in a virtual world meaning an immersive world the augmented reality is a, a implant of a visual in your real world where you're looking at things around you in, in your real space, but there's enhancements to that, you know, um, things that aren't really there but are being presented to you on, on, on virtual uh, augmented reality. Then virtual reality is where you're totally immersed into this other world and your real world is not present and visually. Um, and having these virtual relationship reality meetings where you can be in a, you know, beautiful seaside vista with uh, avatar, digital avatars of the people you're meeting in a room and you can throw up whiteboards in the middle of the room and draw on them or computer screens. That's there. Plus also the ability to VR experience realities like um, being on the International Space Station or in the Notre Dame and, and being first person, you know, going to concerts, traveling the world, going to, to the Taj Mahal or being on Mount Everest or flying with a wingsuit person off of a mountain or riding roller coasters. The, the, these are the VR worlds and that's the augmented reality world which is similar to a movie called Ready Player One where people start putting these little goggles on and are in a virtual world that is different than the real world. There's already in play things called haptic suits, which we didn't even bring on the live show, which are, are suits that physically make you feel interactive things that are happening in the virtual world. Like if you're playing a shoot 'em up game and you get hit, it actually feels like you get 
tap, like, oh, I got shot there, or, if you know, it, that haptic uh, suit, uh, which is a physical manifestation of the virtual world for you. Um, these are all real things that are happening right now, real things that you can use right now that are not massively expensive. I mean, they're hundreds of dollars, don't get me wrong, but in comparison to the technology that they represent, it's a very reduced price compared to what it used to be, and it's only going to get better. They've announced things that they're going to be doing more next year even. So all of this metaverse such is a real reality, and as we talked about in the live show, we talked about how does that relate to hospitality, that now uh, enhanced ability to discover stuff in a first-person perspective that ability to see and be exposed to things and advertise in that world in a way that makes it presentable to people to want to purchase your products and so forth we've got lots of examples and what's being currently done on even just two-dimensional screens right now but the affordability of technology the usability of it and all the potentials of it uh, are going to be huge in that sense so that was our discussion today on the show of all things metaverse so there you have it well, remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn. The list goes on. 39 platforms and counting. We're even on Amazon's Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. Just ask to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast of any of those. And they'll kick right up and start playing this episode. Until next week when we have the next episode. But no matter which one you may use, if you like the show, please rate us and leave us a comment. That'll help others find us as well. Plus, it also gives us great feedback as to what uh, you're wanting us to talk about. You can reach me at any time via my email at Lauren at hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com. I answer each and every email related to both the live show and the podcast. Um, for the archive of this podcast, you can, of course, go to our old archive, which is hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash podcast, or to our new, which we always present 24 hours, seven days a week, TV channel online, which is hospitalitychannel.tv. Uh, for that, remember also you can watch our live video show every Friday uh, and participate in it, or you can watch it on our archive channel as well called This Week in Hospitality Marketing, The Live Show. It too, old archive is hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash live. New place is hospitalitychannel.tv. And remember, we simulcast as always on Roku. Google TV, Apple TV, and Amazon Prime TV as well. Uh, our actual TV channel. The live show is always free, but there's a whole mess more additional content that's always growing on the backside of the subscription service, much like Netflix, and that is at hospitalitychannel.tv. You can find it Apple, on your also your Apple iOS as an app and also on Android as well as an app as well. So with that, my name is Lauren Gray. Thank you again for the privilege of your time, and we look forward to talking to you next week. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 325 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, all right reserved, copyright 2021. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.